Welcome to the Rich Room Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Sobel. Where you can master the art of enriching your life. What kind of kindergarten shit is this? And finding a path to financial freedom. Who the fuck was supposed to teach me how to do my taxes? So sit back, relax, and step into the Rich Room. You know I can't help these because they know they can never touch these. So baby, let me talk my shit or I might just go another feed. Welcome to the Rich Room Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Sobel. So I recently moved to Miami, and so far, I really like where I live. Everything is very clean. The area that I live doesn't put the trash to the curb. It's really different than anywhere I've ever lived. The trash cans are on the side of everyone's house, and the trash collection people come to the side of your house with this like wheelbarrow-looking thing, and they take the garbage from your cans, and they put it on this wheelbarrow. And there's also like this like designated dump area that I believe is in every neighborhood that you can just go and like dump tree limbs or I think even furniture, although I have yet to try this. I learned all of this from my landlord. She's been really nice so far. And for the most part, I've had very good experiences with landlords. And I'm an excellent tenant. I always pay on time. I keep painfully normal slash quiet hours. I mean, sometimes I play rap music at 5 a.m., but that's only because I've been up since 4 a.m. And I rarely have guests, but my luck hasn't always been good with landlords. In the last home that I rented while I was still in a relationship, we had the crankiest bitch of a landlord named Carol. Now, Carol did not like me. It was clear from the jump, but I tried with her. And she knew that I was an attorney and she would always talk about, she was like, when I was in the FBI, I was like, cool story, Cheryl. The worst thing about Cheryl was that she blamed us for every problem. The worst of which was when our pipes backed up and sewer came into our house. The plumber came out and she made me pay for it. Now there was debris in the line, but it was on the outside of the house and it was a double, meaning there was multiple residences in the same property. And whenever the plumbers came, they found a man's sock in there, tampons, and some other stuff. Well, Cheryl tried to blame me for the tampons, and I was like, oh, hell no, bitch. One, how do you know I'm female? Two, how do you know I have a uterus? Three, how do you know I get my period? My argument was that the guys upstairs, with whom we shared plumbing, had parties every Thursday night. I remember what it was like to go out in college on a Thursday night. It was top-notch party-going time. Oh my God, party-going time. Party-going time! Well, they had lots of females over, and I heard the clackety-clack of their heels, and I heard their joyous, carefree laughter. So the tampons probably belong to those bitches. And since there's no test to determine where the tampon came from, Not to mention there was a whole damn sock in there that was not from my household. Cheryl conceded. And I'm glad she did. Because Cheryl fucked with me at the wrong time. I had just resigned from my attorney position, so I had all the time in the world for her. We had several plumbers come out, and I recorded every conversation. Now, I don't normally do that. But Cheryl was trying to pin everything on us without having any real basis for doing so. 
And the plumber guy said the exact same thing, that there was nowhere to tell where any of the debris from the line came from. And they thought that it even could have come from the city line. I think Cheryl knew not to fuck with me. And then she called me one day and she was like, um, so my brother was there changing the air filters and uh, I just want to let you know that we know about the second cat. I'm like, what? Bitch, your brother must be blind because we only got one kitty in his house and her name is Lydia. But I like my landlord now. She's super nice. So I went to the nail salon the other day and I came across a woman who could possibly be my hero. This woman came into the nail salon dressed in all black athletic wear made by Aloe. She was carrying a Louis Vuitton bag. She came to the nail place to get herself a mani and a petty. I didn't pay much attention. Oh, shit, the cat, what the fuck? She came into the nail place to get a mani and petty and I didn't pay too much attention to her. I went back to watching the technicians do my nails. And I'm sitting there minding my own business. And I get a whiff of something that smells real good. Now it was like 11.30 a.m. when this happened. And I don't know if I told y'all this, but I fast every day until noon. I guess you could call it intermittent fasting. It really helps me with like delayed gratification. And it also helps me to feel fuller with not a lot of food. It's also a lot easier for me to control my eating habits when I fast. Anywho, it's 11.30 a.m. and my stomach was grumbling. And I got a whiff of some really, really delicious smelling, like very well-seasoned grilled chicken. And I look over at my new hero. This bitch is getting her toes done. The, mas the massage chair is going and doing its thing. She has her phone propped up playing a show. She has her earbuds in and in her lap is to-go food that she is chowing down on. I almost wanted to start clapping. This is what it looks like to live your best life. She did not give a fuck if she looked silly. She even had aluminum foil on her fingernails to soak the gel nail polish off. And over that, so she could eat, she had plastic gloves. This bitch didn't give one fuck. She was enjoying the fuck out of her grilled chicken salad, catching up on her stories, and doing her regularly scheduled beauty maintenance. I'm going to go back at the same time to see if I can see her again and just tell her that I'm a big fan of her work. I would like to be a fan of my own work. Um, I'm embarrassed to say that I do not have like a solid budget plan or like implementation of said budget plan. I was never taught how to, but I'm committed to finding a way to budget. But it's like so intimidating though. And I just signed up for a financial literacy class, and I'm really excited about it. I also think I might have found the way to get birth control without having to go through Walgreens or CVS or some other fucking pharmacy. I'm pretty sure there are delivery services now where you can just consult with a physician like via telehealth and then have the birth control delivered to you. Birth control has been harder to get than straight drugs at times. I remember one time when I went to get my birth control and it was like a three-packer and I guess it wasn't time for my insurance to pay for it. And I was like, fuck it, I'll just pay for it. And it was $400. The crazy thing is that I'm not even sexually active. 
But I tried to get off birth control before for the very same reason back in the day. And when I did, I had a very bad reaction. And so when I got back back on the birth control pill, I had another very bad reaction and developed pretty severe melasma on my face. If you don't know what if you don't know what melasma is, it's hyperpigmentation of the skin. So like very large, blotchy, dark spots. Not very fun to deal with. I've had a lot of treatments done to try and counteract the melasma. If I knew that there was any chance of this happening, I would have never gotten off the birth control pill originally. And I'm not even sexually active. I feel like people are afraid to admit when they're not sexually active. Like, I feel like it's a thing these days to talk about how much sex you have. Like, Larsa Pippen saying she had sex four times a night with Scottie Pippen when they were married. I mean, like, respect, bitch, but I'm looking for quality over quantity. I feel like it's going to be really hard to be sexually attracted to somebody now. Sorry, mom. Earmuffs, mom. Because now that I'm in a place of healing, I feel like it's going to take, like, a really special person. Oh, God, I'm so not ready for that. Southern Charm is real good this season. I mean, obviously everyone still has fucking problems, but it's refreshing to see some new problems and not Catherine Dennis's like shenanigans every fucking season. Shep does not do it for me. He is fucking disgusting. He is staying in a house full of guests in this gorgeous mountain house. His mother stocked the house with groceries, including a gallon of whole milk. And he wakes up in the morning, and the first thing that he does is drink from this basically brand new gallon of milk. Like, chugging it. Fucking disgusting. And then he's, like, coughing up a lung, like, a few minutes later. And he was like, oh, yeah, no one drank the milk. Ugh. Ugh. Disgusting. What the fuck is up with Rod rejecting a salad? He, like, really doesn't like salads. He tells Olivia he wants to date her exclusively, but I think he kills any chance that he had by awkwardly rejecting the salad at dinner. So apparently Hot Rod has never eaten a salad in his life. And he did this a few episodes back when the crew was at JT's professional pad. And it's not like he just doesn't eat the salad. He affirmatively says, almost with pride, when the salads are served, like, I don't eat salad. I've never eaten a salad in my life. Like, how fucking rude to the people who just prepared this gorgeous salad. Just pretend to eat it and push the leaves around the plate like a good southerner. We don't tell people we don't like their food. We just don't eat it. I think it was this visceral reaction that Hot Rod has to salads that really killed it with Olivia. I will just say Craig is a fucking hoot. Craig is doing great. He and his girlfriend Paige, they just released a pillow line and it fucking sold out. I would watch a spinoff show with Craig and Paige. I just want to renew that request, and I would like to put that out there in the universe. I think it would be pretty damn good. As if Milkgate wasn't bad enough, Shep loses his shit on Austin and Taylor. So, it all happens after JT beats him in ping pong. Now, JT is a short king, and Shep is a bit of a bully. And he makes comments all the time about JT's height, which is like, so fucking obvious. Low-hanging fruit. Come on. But in this episode, Shep reduces himself to a little man smaller than JT ever could be. Because JT beat Shep in ping pong. And Shep went fucking nuts. So, 
JT and Shep come back after playing ping pong. Shep is pissed off. JT is walking taller than he's ever walked before. Taylor says, oh, we won. Congratulations. That triggered the fuck out of Shep, and it set him off. And he felt like Taylor was taking JT's side. And as you'll recall, Shep and Taylor used to date. So Shep's looking at Taylor, and he's like, do you like this? Do you like poking the bear? And she looks at him, and she goes, did you like cheating on me? And then Shep goes, I mean, sometimes it was fun. I, I have no words for him. Shep is the real little man here. And apparently, he's repressing his feelings. He really needs therapy. That was really sad to see. And the worst part about it was that Taylor slept in bed with Shep after he treated her that way. I do not think that anything happened because they were fully clothed when the cameras came in. But I still think it's not great. You know what is pretty great? When kids cuss. Well, it's really funny. I think it's undeniably funny. Now, I'm here to give a little parenting tip, and it might be a little controversial. Maybe consider letting your kids cuss. So, my daughter Madison started saying curse words around me in like sixth grade. And, I mean, I'm almost positive that she said curse words before this time, but that's definitely the first time that I recall her saying curse words around me. And I remember thinking to myself, like, how am I going to handle this? I knew I cussed a lot, right? Fucking right. And so I would feel like a major hypocrite if I told her that she could not cuss, but then I continued to cuss. So I told her that the school has rules and our city has rules about cuss words at school and in public. And so she could say curse words at home as long as she wasn't using them in a derogatory way. And that basically all words, but especially curse words, the tone and the intention of the word matters. Because when you grow up, you find out that, like, everyone cusses. I just feel like it's our job as parents to prepare our children for the real world. And in the real world, everyone cusses. Well, basically everyone cusses, and I definitely do. Fuck yeah. I remember when I was in third grade swinging on the damn swings because you know I love a swing set. Shit, I might just go find one today. I was swinging as high as I could. Feeling the wind whip past my face as I go back and forth on the swing. And pretty loudly, I would say, but not loud enough for the teachers to hear, I was saying every cuss word I could. Because that's all the kids have, right? There's not a lot of stuff that you can do as a kid that you can be rebellious but not hurt anyone. And cussing does not hurt anyone. I mean, you could say like shit, fuck, piss, damn it. And if no one heard you, it didn't happen. You see ring videos all the time on social media where kids are cussing when they're exiting the house because it's freeing. It's a way to express yourself and to do something bad and you're not hurting anybody. It's like you got to give them something, right? I'm also a big believer in giving kids space to make their own decisions. Obviously, that comes at a bit of an older age, but I think when kids rely on you to make every decision for them, then that's how they're going to be when they get older. And you're not really preparing them for the real world. So I would say that I've been doing this breakup thing pretty well. Don't get me wrong. This has been probably the hardest period of my life. Making a major decision for your own life is hard. Especially when it's like not what you want or like not what you had planned. And I was really worried about what other people would say about me. But I had to just come to the conclusion 
that I did not give a fuck what other people thought because no one else has to live my life except me. And I was having frequent panic attacks and it felt like the end of the panic attack road was not a good one. And there comes a point where you have to choose yourself. When you realize no one else is choosing you, so you have to choose yourself. For self-preservation, how have I been dealing with it, you might ask? Well, I've been working out my rage with scissors on package material that's filled with air. I feel like Norman Bates and Psycho, like to these air bubbles, packing materials, like So when the breakup first happened, it was really, really painful. And the desire to end the pain from the breakup is like, almost greater than the need for self-preservation. My walks (laughs) helped a lot. I would get up early and I would just walk and tell myself that everything was gonna be okay and that I could take this hour and walk it out and let it out. And I was up before the sun so people couldn't really see me and there wasn't many people out to begin with. I would put some good music out, I would just walk and cry and I just kept telling myself, it will be okay, it will be okay. This is gonna be hard, but it'll be okay. I also Googled how to deal with a breakup, and I'm gonna give you the tips that helped me. Number one, focus on your positive qualities. This was hard for me. Self-esteem was pretty low when all of this was going on, but I think this is crucial because I don't think we give ourselves the credit that we deserve. Number two, don't lean on drugs and alcohol. Too late, just kidding. I actually really cut back significantly from alcohol when I was going through this. And I really don't know how I feel about this one because on one hand, it could get dark fast if you're leaning heavily on alcohol when you're sad. But also, like if you had a night with your girls drinking champs, I don't think a thing is wrong with that. So I kind of feel like it's situational. Number three, focus on the other person's negative qualities. When I first read this, I almost thought it was really mean. I had never heard of focusing on the negative. And maybe we shouldn't say focus on the negative, but maybe focus on what didn't work for you. And it's not to like put the other person down at all, but I think it is to focus on the ways that you were not a good match with this person. And when you start doing that, I feel like it becomes more apparent why you should not be together versus why you should be together. Number four, realize you aren't getting back together. This is a hard one, but I think that the quicker you accept this, the quicker you'll be able to move on. But accepting that fact is very difficult, especially when it's been your primary focus for years. And you kind of get into this like sunk cost fallacy where you keep pursuing something because you've invested so much time and energy into it. And I thought I could just make the relationship work with like positive thinking and positive actions. But having that honest conversation with yourself and accepting that you will not be getting back together really helps in moving on. Number five, let go of the idea of quote unquote closure. I've only really heard of closure in like movies or romantic comedies or whatever. I don't think we need closure in real life. And what I mean is I don't think we need a conversation with the other person as closure. Because the reality is you already got your closure. The lack of respect was the closure. The lack of apology was the closure. The lack of care was the closure. The lack of accountability was the closure. The lack of honesty was the closure. If you've experienced 
any of these in your relationship, you have all the closure you need. What else do you really need at that point? Well, what you will need is a breakup playlist. Sometimes I feel like the universe is doing things for me. I have a very strong connection to music, like all kinds of music, and I think that the universe sometimes tries to communicate with me through music. I know that's weird, but I don't care. I've heard very meaningful songs randomly played in my car or at a bar that I'm at that feels really intentional. Like, what are the fucking odds? I remember I was sitting at a bar having a drink with my friend, Ryan, a.k.a. Guzman, who was really worried about me because he saw me having like an entire meltdown because the lady at the bank was mean to me. And this was very uncharacteristic of me, and so he wanted to take me out for a drink to make sure that I was okay. Fucking love him. Anyways, when we're sitting in this bar, this song comes on that my grandfather wrote like back in the day I don't even think he has song credits on it I don't I don't even know but the only way I know that song and it's the most random song you would never hear it in a bar no one was in there no one was playing the jukebox it just randomly fucking came on and it was a bar that I'd never been to before that I actually didn't like that song fucking came on the song that he wrote fucking came on and I'm like what are the fucking odds of that coming on Anyways, I don't know where I was going with that. But Miley Cyrus came out with a breakup album like at the perfect fucking time. I can buy myself flowers. And I do every week at Trader Joe's. Kelly Clarkson also came out with me, which if you haven't heard it, you should listen to it. It is a top-notch fucking breakup song. Whitney Houston lives permanently on repeat. Beyonce is another staple in my music repertoire. Although she does have some great, like, independent lady songs. I mean, Lemonade is just the greatest album of all time, I think. But there's a good number of the songs that are love songs. And really, there are a lot of love songs out there. And I knew that I still wanted to listen to my favorite songs, even if they were love songs, but without getting sad. So I know this may sound silly, but it works for me. I started singing the love songs to myself. Now, it doesn't work with every song, but generally, it works. Kendrick Lamar is always in heavy rotation. There's a reason his album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, won Best Rap Album for 2023. Honestly, Kanye West is also in heavy rotation. I used to listen to Kanye West every morning on my way to take the bar exam to like pump myself up and like get some borrowed confidence from Yeezy. Nicki Minaj, too. I was blaring Nicki Minaj and Kanye West at like 6.30 a.m. on my way to take the Louisiana bar exam. At the Pontchartrain Center in Kennebra. If you know, you know. What a weird time. I can distinctly remember the terrible sounds of hundreds of chairs scooting back and forth. The Louisiana bar exam is the longest bar exam in the country, like spanning over a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with a total time of 21 hours and 30 minutes. It's one of the hardest bar exams in the country. All of the material is unique to Louisiana. None of the scoring transfers to any other jurisdictions. And everyone has to take this, the test in the same room. People were coughing, crying, vomiting. No shit someone threw up in the trash can that was sitting in the middle of the room. It was wild. But I feel that I have to thank Kanye West in part to passing the Louisiana bar exam on the first try. That was really an amazing day. That's probably the best day of your legal career is finding out that you passed the bar. And boy, did we celebrate. 
You go to the courthouse steps of the Louisiana Supreme Court where there's a list of people who passed. It had just been posted. And the Louisiana Supreme Court is like right smack dab in the middle of the French Quarter in New Orleans. So we went out and we celebrated all damn day. It was glorious. Now Kanye West has been going through some shit the past few years. And he's made some remarks perpetuating derogatory Jewish stereotypes. And as you all know, I'm Jew heavy on the ish. And I don't know if Kanye West is anti-Semitic. I don't think so. I think he might just be misunderstood. Or maybe he just misunderstands. So one of the most problematic things that he said was he tweeted that he wanted to go death con three on Jewish people when he woke up in the morning. Now, it sounds bad. Death con three sounds bad. It literally says death. So that isn't boding very well for Yeezy. And I'm sure many of you are like me in that you did not know what Death Con 3 was. And I don't think Kanye knew what Death Con 3 was because Death Con 3 doesn't exist. A little Google search revealed that the correct term is Death Con, not death like dying, D-E-F Con. It's short for Defense Readiness Condition. And it refers to the U.S. military's ranking system for defense readiness for a potential nuclear attack. So, it's not a military term used to attack. It's a defense term referring to what level of defense we need in the event of a nuclear attack. DEFCON 5 is peaceful time and the default readiness state for the U.S. military. The opposite end of the spectrum is DEFCON 1, which is the most urgent alert. We've never been at DEFCON 1. Well, according to Google, we haven't. So yeah, DEFCON 1, that's bad. But what about DEFCON 3? Well, it's a standby level of alert, and it is the highest level of alert during peacetime. Hmm. So when Kanye tweeted that evening that he was a little sleepy, but might go DEFCON 3 on the Jewish people in the morning, it really meant that he was in a peaceful standby mode with the highest level of alertness. How can you be insulted when the insult doesn't make sense? Adidas parted ways with Kanye, so did a lot, a lot of other outlets because of the anti-Semitic rhetoric. Because it wasn't just this tweet. There was other stuff that happened. You can Google it if you care to read about it. But it's got to be kind of embarrassing that the catalyst for your professional life crumbling is an insult that didn't even make sense. I have hope for Kanye West. I have hope for anyone who has the capacity to learn. Go watch the documentary about Kanye West. It's called Genius, but it's spelled differently. Just Google it. And you just see Kanye with his mom and stuff. I don't know. I feel like that person is still there. And while you're at it, watch You People on Netflix starring Jonah Hill, Lauren London, Eddie Murphy, Nia Long, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. It's fucking hilarious and it's very thought-provoking i've also recently been listening to a lot of j cole and now i see that j cole and drake are going on tour and i will be attending that just in case anybody was wondering even if i have to go by myself speaking of going places by myself i told myself that i was going to take myself out on dates and i was supposed to go see a comedian shang wang a few weeks ago but I, ended up, but I ended up not going. So, my family came in town and we went to this gorgeous restaurant in the Grove called The Key Club. It's the same restaurant where Gertie from Miami Housewives told the girls that she had breast cancer. 
and I intended on Ubering to the show from there. But it was so nice to sit at a restaurant with other people and order food and wine, and the weather was fantastic, and we were just sitting outside and just enjoying it. So I decided to forego my $25 ticket and hang out with my family. But I know I need to get out of the house and go somewhere and put myself into society. But if I'm being completely honest, I am nervous as hell. If I could go to a comedy show and like go and not talk to a single person and just watch the show and have not one single person talk to me, that would be ideal. Like I want those sunglasses from Big Daddy that the little kid put on that made him invisible. I'm not going to lie, I considered for a moment wearing sunglasses, but I feel like that would draw too much attention and actually have the opposite effect of what I want. I'm also overthinking my outfit choices. I have one outfit that is a possibility. It is a denim jumpsuit, but the last time I wore it, it was a little snug and I haven't really been eating that great. So before I put it on, I prayed to God to just stretch out the fabric in the best way possible. And if she could just make it fit for me, I would be very grateful. Turns out it's a possible option. Maybe I could also wear a hoodie and sweatpants with sneakers. It's hard, like deciding who you want to be. But I also think it's like a fucking gift. It's almost like I have to do stuff that scares me because right now basically everything scares me. Even when someone rings the doorbell, I hit the fucking floor. I'm not answering a cold knock at the door. So in the spirit of challenging myself, I bought a ticket tonight to a comedy show to see another comedian that I really, really like named DeRay Davis. I'm just going to force myself to go. Even if I leave early, for whatever reason, the fact that I go and sit down will be a major win for me. I'm very, very nervous to venture out into the world at all. But I know that I'm not going to grow if I stay at home. And my horoscope told me that I need to do something that scares me. And I feel like a comedy show is a great place to go by yourself. I paid a little extra money so I could get a reserved seat so I can get there right when the show is starting. And I have to be honest, the thought of going somewhere by myself in a brand new city feels really overwhelming. I'm just going to need to pump myself up. Maybe I'll kick it back to my Louisiana bar exam days and listen to Kanye West and Nicki Minaj on the way. Maybe I'll wear sunglasses all night. Maybe this will be the last time I ever go out. I'm just kidding. I'm choosing to think positive things. At the very least, the show will be really funny and my cheeks will probably hurt from laughing. So I don't know if you've heard that Taylor Swift has come out with her albums called Taylor's Version. I guess she didn't own the rights to a good amount of her music and was upset with that, obviously. And I guess she expressed this publicly because Kelly Clarkson, fucking queen, tweeted that Taylor should re-record all of the albums that she doesn't have the rights to and just add in like different art and then ask her fans to buy those versions instead of the old versions. That is genius. Well, she re-recorded her albums and I guess one of them went on sale the other day. I just so happened to be in Target the day that the album was released and there was a shit ton of T-Swift fans buying these albums. It's fucking genius. Because I'm pretty sure Taylor Swift just re-recorded the albums and didn't change anything. That is women helping women right there. So Miami Housewives has started back. And Lisa is finally in the process of getting divorced from Lenny. He is just awful. Absolutely awful. And she has a new man. His name is Jody. He seems great, but they all do in the beginning. You know what I mean? 
So Lisa reveals that she still wants to wear one of her wedding rings, but she's getting it resized for her middle finger. I understand this. I actually wear my wedding ring on my middle finger. I know that's probably not very common. And it's not worn as a fuck you to my ex. But it is diamonds, and I like it a lot. So I feel like if I like it, I should wear it. And if I want to wear it, I shouldn't care what other people think. And for the first time, I feel like I actually do not give a fuck what anyone thinks about that. Y'all don't have to wear it. To be fair, at my wedding ceremony, this ring was accidentally put on my middle finger instead of my ring finger after exchanging the vowels. So maybe it was always supposed to be on my middle finger. And it was actually too big to go on my ring finger, so I was going to have to get it sized. And I was wearing it on my ring finger, but I had like the little spacer on it. But since the marriage didn't work out, I just kept wearing it, but on my middle finger. I don't know, is that weird? I don't care. What I do care about are my new household products that I cannot wait to use. I did a lot of research on what vacuums and mops to get. If you don't have a steam mop, you are doing yourself a disservice in life. A steam mop was the greatest gift that I got for my wedding. I also just got a cordless vacuum cleaner with all these fancy attachments. With all these fancy attachments. To be honest, I got it a few weeks ago, but I accidentally threw away the filter that goes in the middle when I was emptying the dustbin, so I had to order a new one. And it hasn't come in yet. Thankfully, there is another vacuum cleaner here that I can use in the meantime. But I weirdly get joy out of cleaning with these attachments. It's real exciting over here in Miami, y'all. So there was a new episode of Real Housewives of Potomac. There's a new girl this season named Neca. I like Neca. She's new to the cast. She's a lawyer. So she and her husband are trying to get pregnant. And I guess she has to take medication for that. And she takes it in the morning and at night. And she says she takes her medication every morning with champagne. What do we think of this? I feel like this is something that she might be doing for the show. And her husband is a doctor. There is no way he's like, babe, hey, you know what will go great with your medication? Champagne. I will say I absolutely loved her embellished blazer that she wore on this recent episode. Man, I feel really bad for Robin. So Robin is married to Juan Dixon, and they were married before and got divorced because Juan cheated, I think. And at some point, they ended up living together with their two boys, but they were not married. And everyone gave them shit about getting married. And Robin didn't want to get married, and for good reason, too. But the viewers and the cast and even fucking Andy Cohen pressured Robin and Juan to get engaged. And it was done on the show. Because that's what we all see, right? A couple who has children should get married. A couple living in the same house should get married. But we are only looking at the optics, which is a word that Juan Dixon apparently does not know. We aren't looking at the two people in the couple. And even though I'm guilty of rooting for Juan and Robin to get married back in the day, I have since changed my mind. Robin is not the same person that she was before she got married to Juan. Even though I don't know her at all, she is acting completely different than she has in the past. She's lost herself. And it was confirmed by Robin that Juan cheated on her in 2020 during the pandemic. And I feel like that's being significantly downplayed. But I guess that's why it took them a while to get married. But now that they are married, there are pictures of Juan with women in nail salons and laundry mats. And I don't think Robin got that infidelity clause in the prenup. And now 
Juan lost his job as a basketball coach after a sexual harassment suit that was filed against him, but he has been dismissed from it. God, poor Robin. She seems defeated. I hope she finds strength or courage or whatever she needs to choose herself because Robin is not choosing herself at all. Which brings me to my rich bitch tip of the week. You need to start choosing yourself. A lot of moms do not choose themselves because they are like the superheroes running the whole damn household. And then they're still bringing home the bacon. These bitches are bringing home the bacon and cooking it. No one else is going to choose you. So you need to choose yourself, not in a selfish way, but in a way that you make yourself a priority as well. Just don't forget about yourself. Don't lose yourself. Mom spaghetti. Even with your job. If you died today, the job posting to replace you would be published before your obituary. Stop killing yourself for a job that would fire you at will. Set some boundaries. What the fuck is up with Gilmore Girls? I have been told by many people that me and my daughter are the real life Gilmore Girls. But I can say that I have never seen Gilmore Girls. But I keep seeing memes about it. Mainly on millennial meme accounts, but I haven't seen it. Should I watch Gilmore Girls? I'll leave you with that question to ponder. Thank you for listening to episode 11 of The Rich Room. Hit me up with your questions, comments, and let me know if you think I should watch Gilmore Girls at 504-224-9919. Follow me at Lindsay underscore Sobel and also follow at The Rich Room Podcast. Leave us five stars everywhere you can. Subscribe. Follow. See you next time. Yeah.